Hey, all right, what's going on? This is Family Matters with Instructor Mike. I'm your host, Instructor Mike, and I got a, got a treat for you. Uh, I want to go on ahead and actually, uh, and of course, I'm doing this video. I have what only 30 subscribers, uh, unlike my other channel uh, on YouTube, Instructor Mike. That one has like 93,000 subs, but I'm trying this out on this channel because you got to start somewhere. Okay. Um, so, I came across a wonderful uh, video, by the way, uh, from, I believe his name is Joshua, I, I could, be, could be saying his name wrong, let me get this correct, uh, Joshua Fluke, Joshua Fluke, uh, and, and the title of the video is I'm Divorced, The Story I Don't Talk About, so what we're going to do is we're going to talk about this, we're going to watch his video, and we're going to talk about this, and I'm going to analyze uh, some of the things that are definitely worth analyzing as it relates to what happens when you get married too soon. And <clears throat> this video resonated with me uh, very deeply because I can understand uh, exactly what he was going through because it was one of the things that I go through uh, or went through. And if you don't uh, get outside of your experience or outside of the confines of your uh, community. Sometimes you don't understand that you think you uh, may be the only person going through this or people who look like you may be the only person going through this, but that not, that's not necessarily true. So uh, by the way, if you go to uh, audible.com, Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, or any place where podcasts are, please make sure that you go to look up the podcast, Family Matters with Instructor Mike, Family Matters with Instructor Mike. Okay. So without delay, let's go on ahead and we're going to take a look at this uh, and then we'll move forward. Here we go. This, this is one of those videos, videos that, that I have thought about making for a while, but then uh, tech leader Patrick made his video about how um, his wife left him and I didn't want to make it because it didn't seem appropriate. This happened long ago and I don't want it to seem like I'm trying to ride the coattails of your video. Patrick, this happened like years ago, um, but this is for you. I know it sucks. I've been there. I'm with you, bro. But it's probably a lot harder for you because you uh, had a kid. Uh, this video has nothing to do with code. This video has nothing to do with motivation, really. It might not be your cup of tea. And um, I know that my ex-wife's mom watches these videos. So Kido's Kaikista. Um, you'll always be my Finnish mom. If you've been watching my channel, you might've seen a live stream where I'm like, yeah, no, I don't want to get married. Been there, done that. And I'm like, wait, what? You were married? How old were you? I was young and dumb. That's how old I was. I'm 29 years old right now. I got married when I was 20 and then I got divorced when I was 24. Right around 18, 19 years old, I was in school for mechanical engineering in Atlanta, Georgia. And then I met a girl online, Finnish girl, and we talked for a few years and went back and forth. I was a lot younger than her. Dropped the L word a few times, you know, talk like all day, every day. I was super enamored, I guess. What's the word? Like the honeymoon phase, you know? And it was the same on her end because new culture for me, new culture for her. After a few years, I was like, you know what? Um, you know, if I ever come out there, I'll take you on a date, like wink, you know? It's like kind of obvious that if we could date, we would probably date. So I bought a plane ticket to go to Finland with my student loans, being the smart 19, 20-year-old that I was. And a few weeks before I take the trip to go to Finland, she emails me and says that 
uh, hey, I'm really excited for you to come, but I've met someone else. And I was like, wait, what? Really? Like, um, and to be honest, I was pretty pissed off. I wasn't expecting to go there and like marry her right away or anything. I was, you know, it was pretty, pretty mad. And I tried to refund my ticket, but it was too close to the departure date. So I couldn't. And I got there and I was staying at her place, which seemed kind of odd because she had met someone. Right. And uh, after a few days, we ended up like making out in the kitchen and we kind of hit it off. And me being this guy back then, I thought I had won her over, you know, um, super cringe to think about, you know, I thought that I was better than the other guy because I got her to like, like me more than the other dude. And at the end of the trip, she like called up the dude and was like, it's not going to work out anymore. And they, oh man, it makes me cringe real hard to think about that now, you know, like I was this white knight basically in shining armor that thought I had saved her from this other guy that wouldn't commit. He didn't want to have labels. And, you know, I was like, I'll commit. I'll be there for you. Like if big cringe. So after the trip from Finland, I came back to the US and she came to visit me for a few weeks for Christmas, but that was really it. And we kept trying to figure out how we we're going to see each other, how we we're going to make this work, you know, because long distance sucks if you've ever done it, which well, I, I wouldn't recommend it. And um, we decided, you know what, we're probably, we're probably just going to end up getting married anyways. We've been talking for so long. We've been talking for years and things are going so great. Like, might as well just go ahead and get married, right? This sounds like from your end, you're like, well, there's a problem right there, Josh. <laughs> but when you're in it, you know, you're just blinded by it. And there's nothing that anyone can say to tell you otherwise. And everyone's trying to be supportive. But at the, the same time, they're like, Josh, what are you doing? And I'm sure they were saying the same thing to her. I tried to bring her to the United States. And like, you can't really do that when you're a broke college kid. You have to get a fiance visa and you have to get a sponsor. And that costs a lot of money. And then she has to go back and wait for the visa to be processed before she can actually come back and live here with the green card. So I decided, you know what, I'll just go to Finland. So I looked up a bunch of schools in Finland and they had a mechanical engineering degree there. I was like, cool. So if we get married, I can move there and I can re-enroll back into school and just keep on going. And now we can be together and live our lives and it'll be great. That's what we did. I got all the paperwork. I bought another ticket with my student loans. And then I told my parents, I was like, hey, I'm uh, getting married and I'm going to Finland. And that's what I did. I took one. Now, here's one of the things that I'm, I'm looking at, too. He said when you're blind and when you're in it, you can be blind to a lot of things. I really want you to understand that what he said was just so important that when you're in it, you're not seeing anything. Sometimes you don't have eyes for what a person is trying to show you. Sometimes you don't have ears for what a person is trying to tell you, you know? And it's like, no matter what, he was dead set on doing it. I think that's extremely important uh, to notice. So parents, if you're out there and you're giving your children information, sometimes it becomes one of those little too late type things. It's just a little too late. Oh man, I really wanted to, you know, uh, 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 say this to you. I really wanted to tell you this. I really wanted to, uh, and I just kept saying it, kept saying it, but you weren't listening. You weren't listening. Sometimes it becomes a little too late. And this is what happens when you get married too soon and have children too soon before you're prepared, your child grows up and you're, you're doing what you know to try to provide the best environment for them. You're doing what you know but you don't necessarily understand that there are some key lessons, some major, major lessons that you're not actually teaching them. And then it gets them 
to this point, right? It gets them to this point. So let's continue because trust me, there definitely is more. Here we go. Unchecked bag, went to the airport, got on an airplane and, and moved there. When I got there, I didn't really know any finish at all. I moved in with her at her place and then we went to the courthouse and we got married in a little finished court and her like mom and dad were there. While I was there for a few months waiting for the visa to process because you're allowed to be in Finland while you're technically not like, you don't have like a resident permit or anything. You're just waiting for the residence permit to process. I was just there. I was just kind of in limbo. Didn't really know any Finnish. Didn't really have anybody to go meet. And if you've never been to Finland or any of the Nordic countries, you'll know that it's really difficult to meet people. When I got the visa, I applied to a school in Finland on the Russian border. And I went there to take an entrance exam. And I thought it was kind of funny that they wouldn't let me just transfer in, being that I had already been in college for a few years. They said, no, you can't transfer in. Sorry, we don't care about your previous experience. Everyone takes the entrance exam. No degree, no free pass. And I take the test, and the test has like calculus three on it, physics three on it, this really difficult chemistry on it. Wait, what? Holy crap, there's like 17-year-olds taking this, and they're finishing it way faster than me. The school was free. It had 25 slots for the degree program that I wanted to do. It was in English, and there was like uh, thousands of people that applied for it. A few months later, I got the results of the entrance exam. I had just been playing a bunch of video games and doing nothing, and the relationship between me and the ex-wife, it was okay, right? Still in the honeymoon stages. It was it was whatever. She would get pissed off that I didn't want to come to bed at the same time as her, whatever, which I thought was kind of weird. But the results said, no, sorry, you didn't get in. But you've been placed on a waiting list. You're number nine on the list to get into this engineering school. And I was like, well, who's going to give up? Why would nine people give up a free bachelor's in mechanical engineering? That just seems really dumb. That wasn't part of the plan. I didn't really have a plan B. I get another email one day when I'm getting my hair cut. Hey, congratulations. You've been accepted. And I was like, wait, what? Holy crap. And so we pack up our stuff and we move to the Russian border and I start going to school there. By this point in time, kind of like the, the honeymoon phase, has kind of worn off and I'm starting to have like this culture shock and uh, I'm wanting to do things that I want to do. I'm wanting to just talk to people like I'm used to talking to people. I want to just kind of eat the foods that I'm used to eating and I just kind of want to go back to, you know, how how I'm used to doing things and I can't do that anymore. And I'm sure that was stressful for her and it was kind of stressful for me. I have to go to school at the same time and she's working and uh, she was a hair hairdresser, cosmetologist, I guess. It was a pretty interesting experience because I started failing the courses right off the bat in Finland. I started failing the math classes because the teacher would come in, write stuff on the board and just walk out. If you've never been to Finland, Finnish people are very blunt. They'll just tell you what they're thinking no matter what. There's no small talk. They just tell it to you how it is. And if you're from the South, like me, where everyone's like, oh, bless your heart, instead of saying, boy, are you dumb? They just beat around the bush with everything here in the United States. Everyone has to sweet talk it or kind of just say it without saying it because they don't want to offend you. In Finland, people don't care. They just tell it to you how it is. And that that's really jarring. Doesn't this sound a lot like, I don't want to say cancel culture, but doesn't this sound like cancel culture? Doesn't this sound a lot like cancel culture? You can't say the truth of what's on your mind. And that truth could be the thing that could help that person. It could be the very thing that could set them free from whatever they could be uh, about to go through. You know, you got to tell. 
I, that's why I don't like mincing words. I don't like beating around the bush. I like telling exactly what's on my mind because the road to danger is ahead. I've been through that road. I've passed that road. Somebody I know has been through that road, has passed that road. And we are telling you what's on our mind so you can understand. It's not about like, it's not about dislike. It's not about love. It's not about hate. It's about, you know, I can't be your teacher and be your friend at the same time, though I can teach you friendly. You see what I'm saying? Sometimes I'm going to have to crush your little ego to tell you something you need to know so that you can save yourself from that danger. And then that will have value in it once you find out that what I said is actually the truth. But like he admitted before, when you're in it, you're blind to it. You have earmuffs around your ears. You're not hearing it. And that is that thing called trauma bonding. Uh, when I watched his video, I loved it. And I just had to share it. So let's get back to it because it gets worse. It it doesn't get better from here. I hate to say that. Here we go. Well, it does at the end, but let's watch. Here we go. At first, but now I would say that's kind of like a big reason for uh, why I am the way that I am now these days, because I, I can appreciate that. Thank you for being honest instead of just pretending like everything's going to be okay. I remember specifically because I went to ask the math teacher for help one day and she said, okay, Josh, let's look at it what do you think happens here? And I'm like, I, I don't know. And she looks at me dead, dead ass in the eyes. And she's like, are you dumb? I remember like, can you say that to me as a teacher? Just taken back. And I was like, I guess so. I guess, I guess I am because I, I don't know how to do it. You know, that was the point where I was like, well, this is just gonna help. This is, this is how it is here, I guess. During school, between the stress of trying to pass classes and her kind of adapting to living with me and um, her working and trying to figure out what it's like to live with someone that you've never really lived with more than like three weeks, things start to get stressful and you start to realize that you didn't know the person um, that you've that you thought you did. Things started to kind of just go downhill. I never claimed to be like a, like a perfect husband or like that I didn't do anything wrong. But I will say that like I was always supportive. Well, you know what? And I was always trying to, you know, be as logical. Let, let me pause this. I'm putting, uh, I'm answering your question, Gears. What's going on? First of all, thank you for watching and thank you for commenting. You said I missed the first couple minutes of his video, but it's a culture shock as... It is uh, getting married early and also moving to another country uh, is insane to me. Seems like no thought was put into this. And that's exactly the, that's exactly the case. You are exactly correct. Um, if you, if you go back and of course you can go back and watch it. Um, he, you know, he seems to have come from a fairly decent background where he's got his parents, his mom and his dad. But even though he has his mom and his dad is like, you can sit there and, provide the materials. You can provide the environment. They can go to the best of schools. They can go and play in wonderful communities and go outside and play. But not every parent knows how to be a teacher. You see what I'm saying? It's like, just because you have children, strike that, just because you can have children doesn't mean you should have children. Just because you can get married doesn't mean you should. You know, it's like, and just because you have children, and you may not know how to necessarily teach them. I'll give you the perfect example. It's just like, uh, and if you follow me before in some of my other channels, you've heard me say this. That would be just like if a uh, preschool teacher who had been teaching preschool, uh, and I actually have a friend <clears throat> who's a preschool teacher in Boston. She teaches preschool 
all the way through uh, second grade. And that's just like if I sat there and told her, hey, what's going on? I'm the superintendent of schools or whatever principal, whatever the case may be. And uh, you've been doing a great job for 10 years and you've been teaching in uh, preschool and you've been doing a great job. Oh my God, the, the, the progress of these kids, absolutely excellent. Guess what we're going to do? We got such a surprise for you. We think that you would do an excellent job teaching eighth grade. And I asked her this and she's like, oh my God, anxiety would kick up. And I would be like, okay, what's the purpose for the anxiety? You're a teacher, you're qualified. She's like, no, Mike, I'm not qualified for teaching at that level. With teaching at that level, you have to understand children. You have to understand the kids. You have to understand what comes with teaching at that level. You have to understand being able to communicate with them at that level. And I just don't communicate well with those kids at that level. Um, and it's only if you understand as a teacher that that is a thing, that that is a thing. Can I teach you at that level so you can understand, right? Uh, so yeah, I'm just looking at the struggles kind of streaming right now. Hopefully it pops back up. It should be good to go. And I hope you caught that too. Okay, we're back. Yeah, it's if I'm not comfortable teaching at the eighth grade level and I have no experience teaching at the eighth grade level, I'll even give you an example. Those of you all who know, you know, I'm a firearms instructor. Uh, I teach uh, occupational security and a whole bunch of other different courses. I am extremely comfortable in speaking in front of the public because I have been doing it since I was 14, 15 years old, uh, dealing with, you know, cadets and ROTC and dealing with the band and public performances and stuff like that, going into the military and into law enforcement. I have a well over two decades of experience uh, talking to groups, both small and large, you know, but put me in front of the Oscars, right. Or put me in front of the Academy Awards. It's like, you'd have to darken the whole room and I'd have to stare at the light or find something else to, you know, distract me from the importance of the audience that's there. And so there's always that anxiety. And so how does that relate to parenting, right? As your child grows, depending upon what generation they're in and what the environments are both, you know, close to you in your direct environment and in your, your world around you, you know, depending upon that and the social issues of that time, you know, your children will learn differently. And the thing is, any teacher worth their salt can tell you, you have to grow with your audience. John C. Maxwell is noted for saying this. It's always about your audience. The minute that you don't have the ability to properly connect with your audience, you may lose them. Your children are the same thing. Your children are your audience, okay? When your children uh, 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 show that they uh, have certain likes in certain areas, can you meet with that, you know? Uh, well, they're not listening. They're not listening. Okay. Well, there's more than, you know, one way to teach them. You know, it's audio, visual, kinetic, the three learning styles, the environments, are they analytical learners? Are they creative learners? Are they practical learners? Do they like to do things hands-on? And do you have the knowledge, skill, and ability to be able to teach them how they learn? So it's a whole bunch that goes with that. And I, by, I, by no means am a parenting professional, but I am a teacher. I have been a teacher for quite some time teaching adults. And I often find that adults, even though your body has grown, your mind could still be in a childlike or adolescent state based upon whatever voids or whatever things have you still stuck in that area, right? So let's go on ahead and continue with this. But yes, uh, Gears, that is exactly correct. Here we go. Let's continue with his video. He has a lot more value uh, to add to this. Let's uh, continue. Here we go. 
well, as possible. And I know everyone in the comments is like, well, there's your first problem right there, Josh. You're talking, you're telling me now, right? But I think I was a pretty decent husband, but I think the stress on her end of um, maybe being in a provider role was kind of too much. And I think over time she kind of started to resent me for that because I would go to school full time and she would work. And I would say things like, hey, look, man, it's just, just your turn right now. You, I know you got to work, but when I when I graduate and I get this degree, I can start making money and I can I can pamper you a little, a little bit, you know, and I can I can do all the things that you want to do that you're having to put on hold because you have to deal with me. I didn't understand at the time, like, I didn't think that was like really right for me to have to kind of say that stuff. I was like, this was all part of it. You know, you're already doing what you want to do full time. I just, just got to wait for me to catch up for a minute. And uh, she would say things to me over the course of these few years that I think almost could be qualified as like emotional abuse. This is not a fun topic to talk about, but a few notable phrases that I remember her saying to me very bluntly um, was, why are you so dumb? I feel like I'm in jail being married to you. I wish we never got married. Um, you might have to work at Walmart because your degree won't be worth anything. Um, you aren't man enough. Um, I remember one time she said to me, like, you're a sex addict. And I was like, we mumble like once every other month. What are you talking about? If you notice something here, here's one thing I'm going to capitalize on too in talking about, right? If you notice the roles have changed, right? He moved to Finland, a place where he wasn't familiar with. And so he was at her beck and call, so to speak, right? He was at her will and pleasure. You know, it was an area she was familiar with. He was staying with her. And so the roles had changed. She was the breadwinner. She was the provider, right? Cosmetologist. He was going to school, right? And so the pressure fell on her. And so she had this unreasonable expectation. I'm going to say this again. Here we go. Unreasonable expectations fuel unreasonable emotions. Unreasonable emotions fuel irrational behavior. I'll back that up. Unreasonable expectations fuel unreasonable emotions. Unreasonable emotions fuels irrational behavior. And that's what happens when you get married too soon. You have these unreasonable expectations of what the other person can do, right? As a husband, you have a responsibility to do this, this, this. Yes, that person does have a responsibility, but are they able to respond? Just because you have a responsibility, are they able to respond? If you look at three words, right? If you look at evaluate, value, and, and, and appreciate, right? Evaluate, value, and appreciate. Which one comes first? I would argue that evaluate comes first. But in order for you to be able to evaluate, you had to have been taught the thing to evaluate. You have to know what you're looking for. And then you have to evaluate if this person can do the thing you expect them to do. Therefore, if they can do and have done, you know that there's a potential that I can value this person. And then when they begin to carry out that thing that they say they can do, you now are able to recognize the value and appreciate the value. If you look at the definition of appreciate, it literally means to appreciate and understand the value. You cannot understand the value of that which you have not evaluated. So what did that create between them two? It created 
an unreasonable expectation, right? He's going to have to go to school. It's going to take him time. The pressure is going to mount up on you. Things are going to change. Bills are going to pile up. Thank God they didn't have any kids. But if that were to start happening, just because you can have kids doesn't mean you should have kids. Then that starts to happen because in different trauma bonding relationships, right, which I find theirs to be trauma bonding relationships. Now there creates this unreasonable expectation that he is able to do right when it may not be time that she can handle the weight when you have not tested if she has ever handled that kind of weight before. Okay, so let's continue. I, I find so much value in uh, what he's saying here. Here we go. Um, and then also, oh, and then, and then also the emotional abuse, the pettiness. I have been there. And I'm sure those of you watching, you've been there too. The pettiness is just astonishing. The things that you say, let's get to watching this. Here we go. I hope you all are finding value in this. So being from um, the United States where males are typically circumcised at birth hey, to me, um, in Europe, they don't do that. And she would um, make remarks about that too, right? It looks like it's broken. Why is it so weird? You know, I can't deal with this. Just, I'm not really sure why it started to, to ramp up like that. It went zero to a hundred real quick. I know, right? Like if you're watching this video, I can forgive you for saying those things, but I'll never forget because it, those were really, I guess they're just kind of like hurtful things to say to somebody um, and you're not sure why you're being told this stuff. I would try to like, you know, calm her down and relax and be like, look, man, I know that you have to pay all the bills and stuff right now. And I know it's stressful that I'm in school full time and that you're working full time. and We don't have the time and the money to do the things that we want to do. Um, but you shouldn't talk to me like this. And I'm not sure why you're saying these things to, to begin with. Um, but, you know, just give me my, my time. I'm, I'm doing the best I can. And even though I was like failing at the time, trying to figure out what I'm doing wrong with school and stuff. When you go to tell people about these things, like these remarks that you're, you know, getting told, a lot of people are just like, hey, yo, man up, Josh, or it's not that big of a deal, or, you know, you know, grow up, or, you know, grow a pair, stuff like that. Um, but I never really engaged with the arguing, because I prefer to be kind of level-headed, and just talk about things, you know, I don't, I don't make rash decisions when I'm angry, I don't make decisions when I'm sad, I don't make decisions when I'm happy, I just talk about things and try to think things out the best I can. And so whenever these huge emotional, I guess, arguments would come up, um, she would never really get a response out of me because I would just kind of be like, are you done? Do you feel better now? You know, I think because I didn't give a reaction, I amplified her end of things. So throughout the course of school as this relationship. Quickly, that right there is where his parents probably did very good teaching him that you don't need to use aggression to try to solve a problem. You can try to solve the problem or at least be in the mindset to be open and receptive to what a person is saying to you by not using those emotions. They're his parents. Excellent job. Excellent job. But not giving him the tools to be able to solve that problem is how he got into this in the first place. This is why I tell parents as much as I can. Those of you all who follow me, you know I'm a children's book author, okay? <clears throat> the links will be in the description below as to how you can get to my books. You can go to mikebrownsbooks.com. Exposure comes before comprehension. Just because your baby can't repeat to you what you read to them does not mean you shouldn't expose their little brains early. 
the earlier you get a hold of this, the earlier you expose them to them to things you may think are hard for them. If you don't make the brain struggle, right? If you don't make things hard for them, when the situation comes up where they will need that help, they will need that knowledge, they will need that information, they're going to feel it then. And it's going to be harder then. I love Jocko Wilnick's podcast when he said the training needs to be harder than the situation they may find themselves in. Because when the situation comes up, you want them passing through the waters with a great degree of ease, avoiding those uh, uh, <laughs> those minds. They don't even need to go across. Right. How do we expect them to avoid the minds? We don't tell them that are there. Nothing is new under the sun. Come on. We got to get better. Tamika, you said this. Here we go. He moved, had not completed his education. Sounds like he didn't have a good handle on who she was just as a person. He failed himself and now he's making a video about the wife. Hmm, interesting. Nope, Tamika. I'm going to push back on that. I am going to push back on that. I'm going to push back on that because <clears throat> it's unfortunate, right? But when you don't understand trauma bonding, right? When you don't understand trauma bonding, you don't necessarily understand that. And of course, in fairness, You've always been a fair person. So you got you got to go back and watch the video from the beginning because this is not so black and white. It's not so black and white. He did move, right? Trauma bonding makes that happen. He didn't complete his education, but he was desirous of doing that, right? He did not have a good handle on who she was as a person. And arguably, he didn't have a good handle on who he was as a person. Right. So when you really don't know who you are, who you think you are and who you are are two different things. Who you think you are and who you are are two different things. Right. It is said that the brain doesn't fully mature in a male until you're 25. So if in fact that's true, that in a male, your brain doesn't fully mature until you're 25 right? He was 1920 when he met the girl online, things of that nature. I'm telling you, yeah, you got to watch it from the beginning. He was um, 19 or 20 when he met the girl online. They had been talking. It was a couple of other things that had transpired between them. Then, you know, he, he couldn't move. The, she was from Finland. You know, it was online. He couldn't meet. Uh, he couldn't bring her to the United States because of the convoluted process here. So he figured he'd move there and with his student loans. He bought a ticket there, told his parents he was going. Parents didn't say anything about it. Why? You're older. You're an adult. You're able to make your own decisions. That's typically what parents do, right? Parents sometimes think that when their child uh, is 18, I don't have to tell them anything no more. They're not the do what I say type. Yes, but you transition in your role. And I just talked about that this morning. You transition in your role as it's like as your children grow, you're going to have many different uh, oversight roles, right? When they're when they're in their early childhood phase, you might find yourself being the daycare director, right? And what type of school are we talking about? Because there are two different types of schools. You've got the school of life, where you're the principal, and then you've got work school, career school, where you've got you know uh, preschool, then you've got 
uh, uh, um, you've got kindergarten, Head Start, whatever the case may be. Then you've got grammar school. Then you got junior high in some places, and then you got high school, and then you got college, and then other levels of education. That's all for the work environment, for your career, job, whatever the case may be. You know the things you're going to do to provide for your family. But and you're saying he's problematic to himself. I, I tend to disagree. I tend to disagree, Tamika. And I think and sometimes, you know, you're my friend, but I'm just going to be honest. I think sometimes you can be harsh towards the guys because, and I know you understand this because you are fair. You give the girls the same action you give the guys, at least from what I'm seeing, right? But I think in this case, and I understand where it comes from sometimes, but I think you're kind of harsh towards the guys where you may not understand that, especially in our community, right? Especially in our community. Remember that video about Dwayne Wade? I'll actually make another video on that, right? But Dwayne Wade, what did he do? He just made an admission that he was doing exactly what he saw the girls doing. He was wearing heels and he was doing this and he was doing that. He was raised around a bunch of women. So when you're raised around a bunch of women, what do you think you're going to do? You're going to carry on those characteristics. That ipso facto does not necessarily mean that he will become a part of the LGBTQ community. But if you don't have any positive masculine role models to show you certain things in that area, right? You are more likely to grow up as a male anatomically, right? But then have a lot of feminine characteristics, okay? And so that is likely the case with Dwayne Wade. That's a whole nother conversation. With this guy, he had both parents, mom and dad, right? Some people believe that if you have two parent households, that everything is going to be great. Everything is going to be great. And everything is going to be, look, you can have two parent households and both of them have trauma bonded, right? Everything. Yeah, I got you, Tamika. You're good, right? You're good. You're my friend. You are my friend. So we can have this conversation. We've had plenty of conversations. So I know, right? But when you have two people that have trauma bonded and they're not honest about the things that bonded them together, right? You can't teach to your offspring what you haven't mastered. You can't help them overcome the things they need to overcome so they can be better than you. So they actually become mirrors of you, right? I'll, we'll, we'll finish watching this video because we got a few more minutes to watch in this video, but I'll give you some point. <clears throat> uh, Shaq, right? You hear what he's talking about with, you know, his divorce. That's a whole nother video. I'm going to make something about that later, right? And then you got D.O. Hughley. There's something about that. And then you've got um, um, Tupac Shakur, who learns that his mom lied to him about who his real father was. And then you've got um, Kanye West, where now he's a father with kids going through his own situations. And all of that I will show you, all of that I will show you stems right from what their parents failed to teach them. The things that you think you are hiding, your children will find out as they grow older because what you are hiding and what you are failing to teach them, life will teach them, except it will hurt them even harder. And you're not doing anything better by them. You see what I'm saying? So let's continue. And I, he's not praising himself, so to speak, but he's definitely using his voice. And that's to be heard. Let's continue. Kind of devolved. We kind of grew apart, right? Um, I would try to do things around the house. I would try to like spend time with her, but like things just weren't the same anymore. Um, you know, I try to cook food, give her foot rub, whatever. Right? I think I was a pretty decent husband in that regard. Um, 
but when there wasn't anything to do, I would just play video games. And for whatever reason, she just hated video games. And I would try to explain to her, I was like, it's really cold outside. I don't really have any friends right now. We don't have any money and this is free. So this is what I'm going to be doing. In hindsight, right, I'd go back in time and slap myself and like learn code or something. But at the time, it seemed, it seemed fine because there was a lot of stress. And you don't want to deal with it. Throughout the course of school, I started to find these books with the Finnish word uh, divorce labeled on them. It's like, wait, what is this? I didn't know quite enough Finnish to be able to decipher what it all said. So I'd take pictures and send them to my Finnish friends that I had at school. I just had like two. And then one day I came home from school and I was at my computer doing some homework, and I, I think. And she came and slapped a piece of paper down on the desk that said, sign it. And I was like, what is this? She says, you know what's going to happen anyway. And I said, what are you talking about? And she's like, this is a paper for divorce. I kind of, I refuse to sign. I said, get this paper, get this paper out of my face. Like we can go to couples counseling. We can work it out. I'm not sure really what these issues are for these past few years, but you've never really wanted to address it or talk about it. And when I signed up to be a husband, when I said I do, you know, through thick and thin, right? Rich or poor, whatever. Like that's what I signed up to do. And, and to be honest, I was kind of like, I was crying at this point in time. And um, she was laughing saying like, we can still be friends. And I remember saying, I will not be friend zoned by my wife. And I like went like this and I kind of like slammed it down on the table, like looking at her. And I think that was like the first time in like that I had ever kind of like raised my voice more than just what you hear right now. And um, she was laughing and said, Shh, the neighbors are gonna think we're fighting. And I was like, you know, just kind of like in tears, just like shaking here, like, all this is just going down the drain, thinking about the ramifications of being divorced and alone in Finland with school still left to do. Um, so she put her pen kind of in my hand. It was, my hand was shaking. She put the pen in my hand and I just kind of signed it and I just kind of pushed it off my desk. But I just was like really confused and upset. So I started asking, I was like, why all of a sudden? What, what made you come to this conclusion? Why are we doing this? And she would only say, we're different people. As I said earlier in the video, I think it was because uh, it was my lack of self-sufficiency, my lack of independence. She would get really frustrated with teaching me things that I didn't understand right away. Um, I tried to learn how to use the bank accounts. And she said, like, why are you so dumb? Why can't you understand Finnish? Like, aren't you learning that in school? And just let me do it. You know, it's fine, whatever. Just just let me do it. And, you know, I tried to become self-sufficient. I tried to do things. How many parents does that sound like? How many parents does that sound like where they know, but they don't understand how to teach you and they're not teachers? You can't be a teacher and be impatient too. You see what I'm saying? You can't be a teacher and be impatient too. Here this man was trying, right? Going to school to be a mechanical engineer, right? How many of you ladies are trying to go to school and want somebody to support you? But then the breadwinner expects you, you see how the roles are reversed. So I don't know if I want to sit here and say that he's crying and not doing and not this man. He did it. He did it. He became the mechanical engineer. It's so much to this story. Let's, let's finish watching this. I hope you guys are finding value to it. Here we go. Things myself, but like she wouldn't. She wouldn't help me do these things. And, and if she did take five minutes to try and help me do it, she'd get really frustrated when I didn't understand it or she wouldn't trust me to do things. Like uh, I got my finished driver's license. She would be like, no, you can't, you can't drive in the snow today. It's too snowy and you don't have experience with that. Or 
I'm like, okay, well, can you show me how to drive in the snow? Well, I can't. No, it's, it's, I don't want to do it. Like, let's just, no, I don't want to. I basically had no financial control over anything in the relationship. Uh, even at school, most times I had to ask for lunch money. And it was pretty emasculating, to be honest. Or she would be like, okay, Josh, I put money in for lunch today. And then I'm like supposed to be super thankful for it or something. I'd be like, well, thank, thank you so much for putting money in, into my account so I can swipe my card and, and get lunch today. I remember thinking like, my, it's like being treated like a kindergartner at the time. But what do, what do you do, right? You don't have any control in the relationship. You just kind of do what you're told at the point. And I remember thinking this is not a husband and wife relationship at all. And she was probably thinking the same thing. She's probably like, this is your job to pay off for my stuff. You know, you're the man. And when you talk to people about this stuff, they just say like, man up, quit being a baby, you know, deal with it. Or, you know, it's your job, you know, figure it out, just suck it up. And I, I, I tried not to, man, but like, you know, it's difficult. Towards the end of the relationship, um, she left me in the apartment alone for weeks at a time, and she went to go uh, live with her parents. Occasionally, I would have to ask for money to be put into my account so that I could get lunch. And whenever I'd have to call her and be like, "Hey, can I have some money? I, I don't have any. I don't have any money to get lunch at school today. I don't have any money for groceries." Do me a She'd favor. Like, can you guys hit already. the like what button? Did you spend it on and get super frustrated. Can and you guys hit the, the like, point, please? Where I just wouldn't, Appreciate it. I wouldn't ask for money because I didn't want to have to beg like a child and get disciplined. I would get lunch at school because it was so cheap and you would get a plate and you go down the line. And I remember I would always like pack the plate full of, of food. You know, I'd eat as much as possible on a Friday because I know on the weekend I didn't really have any food and I just suck it up and just have a couple of days where you don't eat, you know, because it was better than calling up and, and begging like a child for money. You know, I never, I never told anyone that. If you're watching this, I never told you that. If you're watching this, her mom, I never told you guys this. I just not ask. I ate ketchup a few times for dinner. That was neat. I also ate toothpaste a few times for dinner. That was neat. Um, her mom would help me with money sometimes when I when I ran out of money and I was just there alone. But I never wanted to take advantage of that. So if you're watching this, like I know that you helped me with money. It was nice, but I shouldn't have to call my my Finnish mother-in-law just so that I can eat lunch. I'm still to this day not really sure why she was so unhappy with me. There was a lot of gas lighting and there was a lot of mental mind games. And, um, you know, if she had a valid reason that she could find to tell her friends and family, then she could um, basically divorce me right away. Because the paper that I signed previously uh, had a six month wait period where you're supposed to kind of like go into like deliberations or think about it. Like, is this really what you want to do? But if she had a valid reason, she could skip that six month period and just divorce me. So for example, um, when she would just leave me alone at the apartment for uh, a couple months, she would hide candy around the house. And one time she left candy in the box where we had the condoms. I realized this was like an actual trick. If I took the candy, she would question why I was going into the box where we kept those while she wasn't there, um, especially if I took the candy, didn't say anything. She would also say lots of things like, it's fine, you can do whatever you want while I'm not there. It's fine, just go ahead, do what you want. And you know, this is all just bait to get me to cheat so that she can escalate the six month waiting period and just divorce me. And when they divorce you, they take your visa. If I had called her up and been like, why did you put candy here? Like, this is just obvious bait for you to see if I'm going to the condom box while you are not here to see if I'm using them basically, or wondering why I'd even need to go there. Because I, I she has done things like this before and I called her out on, I was like, why are you doing this? And she would just laugh and be like, oh, ha, 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 ha. 
like, it's not funny. Like, I don't understand what these games are. Another time she uh, went through my computer and read all of my Facebook messages to see if I was cheating. That's fine, right? I don't have anything to hide. I'm not dumb enough to cheat and give you an actual reason to tell your friends and family why you hate me all of a sudden. So when I got back from class one day, I found a little post-it note, like right, like this big, just kind of tucked into my monitor. And uh, she's crying hysterically on the bed. And I walk in and I take this little, this little note and I read it. It says, move to Norway or wherever and be with that hoe. I don't care. My elbow kind of bumped into the table and turned the monitors on. I noticed that my Facebook was on and all these messages were popped up at the bottom. And I thought that was kind of odd. She apparently had found a message that was like eight months old from a girl that I used to uh, date that's from Norway. I used to date her when I was like 16 though, you know, for just like two months. And then she moved back to Norway because she was just an ex exchange student. And because Finland and Norway border at the North, she's like, how's Finland? I was like, it's pretty great. And how's the relationship? And I'm like, it's not that great. We'll probably get divorced. So I turn around to the wife uh, laying on the bed, hysterically crying. I said, do you think I'm cheating? She has a fiance and they're getting married. And this message is from months ago. Did you go through my stuff? And this is what I would like to call the, the, the trickle truth. And she said, no, it was just like that. And I said, I don't, I, don't, I don't keep my computer on. And she said, well, I turned it on and it just popped up. I was like, I don't really use Facebook on my computer, just on my phone. Well, I tried to log into mine and it just automatically logged into yours. I said, I don't have my information saved. You tried to guess my password? And she said, well, I was just trying to see if I could figure it out for fun. And the messages popped up. These messages are months and months and months old. They wouldn't just pop up. You'd have to go into the message history, scroll through, yep. click on them and get them to pop up that way. And she's like, okay, fine. I had to know. I thought right, you were Mark. cheating on me. You've been so quiet lately. I'm like, you made me sign a divorce I'll Read your comment in a minute, Mark. I don't have much to say. I'm just trying to graduate, finish school and get a job and get out of here. You all do me a favor. If it wouldn't be too much trouble, can you please hit the like button and hit the uh, subscribe? I would greatly appreciate that and share this. Thank you. Here. We're technically still married on paper for That's the next six months. I'm not going to cheat on you or do anything. I'm still your husband. I'd still like to work it out, but there's really nothing else I can do. And again, she started laughing and said, it's not that bad. I just didn't know because things with us, you know, aren't going well. You know, so this was just all, again, just a big facade, I guess, to try and bait me into something. The main thing that mattered to me at this point in time was that I signed a divorce paper and I have six months left of a valid visa before they take my visa and they deport me back to the United States. So it was a one-to-one -one relationship. I have six months left to legally be in Finland and I have six months left of school, which means I had one shot to, to finish and graduate. If I had failed a single class, I wouldn't have time to stay and retake it. My visa would have been taken. And she always told me that I'm not gonna file it until, you know, until you finish school, I'm not like that, but I didn't believe it. I, in my head, you know, you've done enough other things to where I don't, I don't believe it anymore. If I had failed one thing, basically I would have been getting deported back to the United States, which is so funny thing about deported back to the United States. You don't hear that phrase a whole lot and banned from the EU, all of Europe for, for 10 years. And the thought of restarting school at 24 years old, back again in the United States and picking up where I left off after I had just basically completed a degree was just a, was just a no-go. The degree transfers, but the, the classes don't because the titles don't line up. Like Calculus 3 isn't called Calculus 3 in Finland. So that was a really big moment for me, realizing that like I have one shot at this and I am completely responsible for myself 
none of my family showed up to my wedding. I know we got married in the courthouse and then we also got married in an actual church, right? So I was standing up at the altar and on her side of the church is, you know, her family. And then on my side of the church is just empty pews. That was a really weird experience. None of them showed up to my actual graduation for the for the degree. None of them actually even visited me in Finland while I was there. So at that point, it was pretty much do or die. And I studied like a madman. I explained the situation to my teachers. And basically, I just worked my ass off. I had to pass every single class. I had to pass classes that I failed. I had to write a thesis. In Finland, you have to write like a 60-page thesis. And then I started applying to basically every single job that I could. During the marriage, I had blown up to about 240 pounds. You know, shield your eyes. I was a big boy back then. You know, I had that marriage weight. So one day I took a good look at myself in the mirror. I didn't have a shirt on. And I was like, you're going to be back on the market here soon, Josh. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to touch this. So you better, you better get in shape here. Then I remember as I started to go to the gym a lot, my collarbones started to show. And that's really weird to think about. You're, how do you not see collarbones? That was a big boy. <laughs> and, and she would guilt trip me and say, your collarbones are starting to show. You're getting too skinny. That's not healthy. And I was still like not skinny. It was, it was just a, a lot of projections of insecurity, I guess. But I started to line up some interviews before I graduated school. And um, I started to get to the final phases, phases of all this stuff. And I had about three weeks left. I found a company here in Utah that I got to the final stage with. And um, I didn't tell her any of these places that I was applying to or interviewing to because she would have messed I did up. once. And she's like, that's a stupid company. They'll yeah. never hire you. Yep. So then finally, towards the end of things, like she was living with me again. I would go to my friend's house just because it wasn't healthy for us to be in the same place anymore. And uh, the company that I was applying to here in Utah that I got my first job at had called, but I didn't answer. They couldn't reach a finished phone number, so they left a voicemail on my Skype. And this was supposedly the final step of the interview that I had been waiting for because I literally had no plan. to. I had nothing to go back to in the United States if I was going to get deported anyways. My parents had just been sued and lost their house and they were homeless. And so I was really trying to figure out something. I was frantically trying to call them back, called, and it just went to voicemail every single time. I thought I had missed the opportunity to accept the offer because I didn't know anything about jobs then. And I was just losing my mind like, oh, no, this is my chance to hear. And I lost. I didn't. I was like, well, I'll just listen to the voicemail. And the guy was like, hey, I couldn't reach your phone number listed here for some reason. But I'd just like to congratulate you uh, uh, on getting a, an offer here as a mechanical engineer. And uh, I'd like to read your verbal offer letter to you. And I'm like, and I remember I dropped the phone and I just ran over to my friend and I just gave him a big hug. And he's like, do what? Because he's Finnish, right? Finnish people, they don't touch. They're not very touchy-feely people. And I just gave him the biggest hug in the world. He's like, dude. And I'm like, I did it, man. And he was like, you did it, man. And then he hugged me back. I never forget that bro moment, dude. Never forget that bro moment. Thanks for listening to me complaining those few years, you know, because he was like the only guy that would actually be like, dude, man, that sucks. And I appreciate you for hearing me out because you were the only one that actually did. So I accepted the job offer. I sent in a bunch of paperwork and got everything going, you know, but I didn't have any money or anything like that. Um, her mom gave me like 300 euros. Very, very last day I said goodbye to everybody. And she drove me to the airport. I remember she like tried to give me a kiss on the lips and said like, I will always love you. And I like turned my head 
so that she couldn't do it because I was like, no, 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 not after this, you know, like this isn't too much. Like, I don't know what you were planning if I didn't find a job and like, no. And like, uh, I just, yeah, I said, okay, bye. Went up the escalator to the airport and I kind of like turned around and I looked through the glass and she was kind of just like hysterically crying again. But I had been through so many phases of this hysterical crying that it didn't, it didn't mean much to me. You know, it was the last time I ever saw her. It's the last time I've ever been to Finland, really. Uh, a 36 hour plane ride later, I got to Utah. I showed up at the airport. I got my little rental car they let me have. That was it. And then we started a new era. Been here ever since. Questions you might be wondering, um, did you have any kids? No, no, we didn't have any kids. Uh, to this day, even, I, I don't actually have the divorce paper. I have a marriage certificate uh, that I took here that I thought I might need at some point, but I'm pretty sure that's not valid anymore. Um, but I've actually never seen the divorce certificate. I just assumed that she filed the paper, but I never got married. I never registered as married here in the United States anyways. Will I ever get married again? No, never again. I don't get anything out of it. It's too much risk involved for me. Well, what about if you want to have kids, Josh? Well, I don't want to have kids. There's a, there's a lot of kids out there already without loving parents that I think if I wanted to have kids, I would I would go adopt a kid or just go be, you know, go go do like the big brother thing and just try and mentor some kids that, that don't really have families or maybe foster some kids. So I guess that's it. I can't, I can't, I can't tell you how much I appreciate that statement. You see what happened when he got married too soon? Now, I agree with you. I'm going to read your comments. Uh, Gears, you said should have never married and just applied for a school visa. Again, zero thought was put into this. We can say that now at our age and experience. But when you're 20, I got married at the age of 20. That was one of the worst decisions I've ever made. And I'm not talking about her, the person. I'm not talking about her, the person. Because later I discovered she was trauma bonding too. See, when you're trauma bonding and then you're talking to someone else who's trauma bonding and neither of you know you're trauma bonding, she and her people, we lied to them. Matter of fact, I never even met her parents until after we did the deed, right? And my parents, psh, not existent, right? So when you don't have proper guidance in your background, in your life, your family, what do I mean when I say the business of family? You should have to go through their family to marry them. She should have had to go through my family to marry me. I say that because if your family is in the business of family, we're not letting that person into our family. Hold on for a minute. Could be a package I'm waiting on. Yep, you're good. Go down the hallway. Not my package. I'm waiting on a package. Sorry. Um, here we go. She shouldn't be allowed to marry into my family unless she goes through the gauntlet of my family. Because I used to say this, I'm marrying you, not your family. That is so not true. Even if this person you're about to get with claims as though they're the black sheep or they're being ostracized or whatever the case may be. Trust me, when things go bad, when things go bad, she is going right back to her family. 
I am going right to back to my family because when things go bad, you need support. And I didn't say your family was good or bad. They should be good. But even if they're bad, they're better than you having nothing. Right. I didn't have anybody to go back to. She had people to go back to. So when we started having our marital issues, oh, yeah, her family is still ride or die for her. Me, psh, not so much. And that's why I tell you, before you get married to that person, run that person's family credit report. What does that mean? If the women in that family, if you are a male and the women in that family have a history of when times are bad, throwing that man away, you're next. Women, if in that history of his family, if all of the men in his family make all of those women that they've had dealings with baby mamas, you're next. Why do I say that? Because that's that family's credit report. That's that family's credit report. What do I mean? What is a credit report? A credit report is a report of your history of how you manage things when under stress. Do you pay your bills on time? What type of credit have you gotten? Have you managed those things in the past well? So run that family credit report. Why do I say that? Because nine times out of 10, that person is going to, under bad times, under stress, resemble exactly what that family did. And if you look at his family, sorry, pointing the wrong way. If you look at his family, right? His family are probably great people with good hearts, sound minds. But there were some lessons they did not teach him. I'm pointing the wrong way. <laughs> there were some lessons they did not teach him. And what happened? 20 years old, trauma bonding. She's in Finland, same age, trauma bonding. They have the freedom to move about and go places. But just because they have the freedom to go about and move places doesn't mean you should move together. Because now they move together. The honeymoon phase is over. You've done all the sex you could. Done all the vice-related, emotional laden, emotionally laden things that you could. Now there's the stress test of the actual business of marriage. The actual business of family being put in front of the class and having to actually teach what you profess knowledge of that test. And no one tests you harder than children. No one tests you harder than a person who has expectations of you that they didn't analyze whether or not you could meet those expectations. They expect you to have a responsibility, but didn't analyze before they hired you for the job. If you were able to respond, and you all had some wonderful things to follow up to with. I was 27. And even then I felt like I was too young. Exactly. Exactly. Because at that age, if the brain does not mature or mature, however you want to say that until you're 25, then here you are two years past the age of maturity. How much has life tested you where you've been able to fail analyze those failures, retry, pass, or pass on the first attempt, 
and then continue to go on to the next test to where you have not only the knowledge, skill, and ability, but the wisdom to be able to say there's a difference between academy training and being in the field. There's a difference between home and actually having your own home. There's a difference between what I saw and what I'm doing. There's a difference, and you won't know that until you get out there and experience certain things. But when you get out there and experience those things, what tools do you have in your toolbox to fix the problems? Do I need an Allen wrench? Is it standard or metric, right? Is this a hammer situation for a screw? Ugh. Or do you need a screwdriver for that screw? What about the screw and the nail? Do they look the same? How are they similar? How are they different? My dad is on his fourth marriage. My mom is happily single. My sister just got divorced for the third time and my brother is unhappily married. I'm 34, never married and will never get married. Mark, that's probably one of the best decisions right now because if you look at the track record, dad is on his fourth marriage. Mom is happily single. Sister just got divorced for the third time and brother is unhappily married. Your parents, God bless their heart. They do not have a track record of success of teaching you healthy relationships. So is it likely you're going to have an unhealthy relationship? Yes. And that could be my package. Hey, how are you? Yes, Tamika. Yes. Agreed. We have to stop operating under the not me act. It will absolutely happen to you. What's up? So check this out. I'm doing my podcast real quick. I'm live. You're good. I'm gonna come to you. I'll be down there. Hey everybody, I'll be down to you. <laughs> That's that credit report. When you look at that, I couldn't have said it best, Mark. That's the credit report. If that's the credit report, it's like, oh, I am not qualified to be responsible for anyone else's life but my own. I am not qualified to be responsible for anyone else's life but my own. Just because I can have children doesn't mean I should create children. Just because I can get married doesn't mean I should get married. And the only way you will know that you are not qualified is if your parent teachers tell you, son, I love you, but you're not qualified to be responsible for anybody else's life but your own. You're not qualified. Uh, here we go. Mark Crow said, we are asked what's wrong when something is visibly wrong. But then when we talk about it, we get degraded and beat down like, Okay, I just won't say anything and act happy. That is a thing. Mark even says it. This is why a lot of guys don't talk about their feelings because we are told to suck it up and be a man. I talked about my feelings to my girlfriend at the time and she told me to man up and stop being a P word. And that would be the reason why huh, we'd have broke up right then and there. But you got to have the strength to know you can move on. Some people don't have that. Some people don't do that. We will never know why he trauma bonded with her. I mean, we kind of gather now why. But I hope you all found value in this because I loved his story. I love the fact that he overcame that adversity. I love it. 
So make sure you go follow him. I think his uh, YouTube page is Ground Real. Uh, make sure you subscribe to this. Go to the podcast, okay? Family Matters with Instructor Mike. This is a wonderful story. Wonderful story, sad story, but a lot of lessons learned out of this. A lot of lessons. Last thing, not to mention, all this started based on an online relationship. Keyboard relationships and in-person relationships are 100% different. Truth be told, that party line, that's how my first marriage, well, I've been married one time, but that's how my marriage started. Oh, yeah. Look, I'm going to end with this. Sometimes you got parents who will sit there and say, oh, my God, your life is a success. You've gone off to college. You've gone off to the military. You're doing great things. What's the rubric for success Success as it relates to uh, parents, right? How much materials you've amassed, how big your bank account is. You go to school. You got a good job. You got a house. You married. You got all these things. You're a success. To them, what they see is success. Not how you feel. They, they haven't asked you how you felt in a long time. What, what they see <laughs> is what they feel is the rubric for success. But what they don't understand is this. If you've been making straight A's since pre-K, right? Oh my God, you know what that means? That means your 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. is going to be perfect. Oh my God, it's going to be great. Not saying you're not going to have good times and bad, right? It's going to be imperfect. It's going to be like imperfectly perfect, right? But what they don't understand is that the traumas that they have exposed you to by omitting things about their life and mastering the things in their life so they can teach you to overcome it in your life. What they don't understand is that they are creating and harboring the perfect toxic mixture for what's going to happen between 5.01 p.m. and 8.59 a.m. And they don't get that. 5.01 p.m. to 8.59 a.m., is going to be where you're probably going to do all the most ratchet stuff. You don't want no one to find out just to cope with those traumas. But here you are putting on that happy mask from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Hey, Bob. Hey, Tom. How you doing? I'm fine. All the while, you're hurting on the inside. You're lonely on the inside. This is one of the reasons why people drown themselves in school. This is one of the reasons why people drown themselves in work. See, people talk about alcoholics. People talk about, you know, drug addicts, right? When, yes, alcohol and drugs, they are coping mechanisms, not positive ones. But we don't talk about sexaholics, right? We don't talk about workaholics. We don't talk about educationaholics, right? People who go to school because if I concentrate on this, it'll take me away from my life at home and it's horrible, it's miserable. We don't talk about people who become workaholics because being at work and having something that I really love to do, I love it here because I hate it here. I love it there because I hate it here. I love it there because I hate it here. Oh my God, what do you do? I'm a mom, I'm a dad, right? I go to school, I go to classes, I go to this, I go to that, I go to this, I go to that. In 24 hours, how much time do you have teaching your children? These are the things that happen when you get married too soon. 
And when you're married and you're young, oh my God, no one can tell you shit. I, I should be cursing, right? No one, no one can tell you anything because you think you're going to do very well. But then when you get 40, 43, 45, maybe in your 30s, and then life, people change, right? Your unreasonable expectations of people fuel your unreasonable emotions and your unreasonable emotions fuels irrational behavior. So then you begin to expect this person to remain the same where as they grow, they won't remain the same. They will definitely change. Your expectations are unreasonable because no one taught you that change is a part of life. That adult life is anything but black and white. There's a lot of gray area in between. And then you begin to change. They begin to change. People begin to change. Children begin to grow. How you taught them when they were younger is not how you can teach them now. But if you don't know them, how can you properly educate them? And do they even find value? Were they even taught to find value and continuously make? Do you know as a parent you have to continuously do things to stay relevant. What you thought because you were mom and dad, I ain't got to be relevant. You still have to do things to maintain relevancy. Because you're like a business. I, as a firearms instructor in the market that is Chicago, I have to do things to maintain relevancy. Teachers have to do things to maintain relevancy. The way they taught in the 70s may not be the way they can teach in the 90s and 2000s. You have to do things to maintain relevancy because the more relevant you are, the more you can continue to maintain that value. That value, the audience determines your value. The market determines your value. What people are willing to pay for that thing determines the value. You can assess your value and say you are valuable, but you are valuable unto whom? Just yourself. I'm just saying. And all these things you don't learn when you're younger, when you are the product. If you are the product of trauma bonding parents, there was a lot you did not learn. And that is the worst thing that you can do is get married when you are young too soon. I am watching one couple now. I dare not say their name. I am not anticipating their demise, but the two, but I am I am watching it. I hate to say it, but when you've been down that road, oh, it looks perfect. Oh my God, it looks wonderful in the beginning when you are going places and doing things and then you're having your children and your wonderful moments. Life ain't tested you yet, baby. <laughs> Life has a way of testing you. And that is when you find out what that person is made of. You haven't gotten into some real good arguments that have merit. I'm not talking about childish arguments. I'm talking about real good arguments that have merit. And then you begin to find out how that person really is, what they really think of you. Oh my God, when you're angry, you don't say things you mean. Sometimes you say things you don't mean. That's the lie you tell yourself to cover up the truth that they said to you and you thought it was just some bullshit. All right, let me get out of here. I got a Zoom call in a little bit. I hope you all um, found value in this. A couple of comments I'm gonna read before we get out of here. 
exactly gears. I wonder why he was dating abroad. He mentioned Norway, a Norway lady. Now the Finland, sorry, now the Finland wife as he sits in Utah. Listening to this gentleman was an experience. You got to go back and watch it again, Tamika. You can watch the whole video uh, too. Um, here's this. I'll give you this, Tamika. Let's just say he was cheating. Let's just say he was cheating. Let's just say he was. Unreasonable expectations fuels unreasonable emotions. Unreasonable emotions fuels irrational behavior. It is unreasonable <clears throat> for you to expect that if you are the product of trauma bonding, that as your mind begins to open and as your eyes begin to open and as your ears begin to open, that you will not change. That is unreasonable to expect that. As you change and as you find out that the person you are with, you no longer share the same values, getting out of it is not as easy as getting into it. And talking to someone else about your problems may be the pressure that you need to release <clears throat> because you can't talk to the person you're with to express that with them because they may not have eyes for what you are trying to show them. They may not have ears for what you are trying to show them. Remember in the Bible, a lot of you all think is the good book. Eve's eyes were opened before Adam's. Right? Sometimes your eyes may be open before your partners. And if they can't see it, getting out of it is not as easy as getting into it. So talking to someone else about those problems may be looked at as cheating when in fact it's the release of that pressure before they displace it and take it out negatively on you. Physically getting involved in an in a affair with someone looks like cheating to one but to another is a natural behavioral progression of trying to physically attach yourself to someone who gets it versus someone you married who doesn't. And so when you just say, well, that's cheating, that's wrong. Sure, we can talk about morally, we can talk about legally, but we're not talking about why behaviorally it will still happen. And instead of focusing on, well, what is it about me that caused this person to do that? You're focused on the betrayal. You're focused on the hurt. Well, why couldn't you come to me and talk to me about this thing? Why did you feel you had to, wait, 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 wait. Why is your mind still closed? Why are your eyes still closed? Why are your ears still closed? If I said it to you, would you have heard me? And even if you heard me, what could you make of it? If I showed it to you, would you have seen it? And if you seen it, what would you make of it? What could you make of it? So even if he did talk to someone else, it was bound to happen. That's another thing that happens when you get married too soon. You get married too soon. And then when life stresses you and tests you in an area where you are not prepared, you are likely going to cheat. Unless there are other things that get in the way to the point where it's like, it's cheaper to keep her. It's cheaper to keep her. You're thinking about other reasons why you're not going to do it. What do I know? I know nothing. I know nothing. I'm just telling you.
All right, this is Instructor Mike, you've been trained. Uh, please make sure you like, comment, subscribe, all that great stuff. Uh, thank you, Grind Real, for this wonderful, uh, um, you know, your story. I'm glad things worked out for you. And we'll be back to talk soon. Take care.